0: Every
2: time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready,
1: because geekiness begins in 3, 2,
0: 1. On this week's spooky episode, Marvel conjures up a new Moon Knight. The Mandalorian rises once again for Season 2. And what are the biggest jump scares in horror movies? All this and more as we reach our Halloween stop the PCC
1: multiverse. <laughs> Don't be alarmed.
0: <laughs> I've got to get that out of my system. Sorry. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything at all that you can, to help support us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, and Game Source, It is truly appreciated. Plus, I want you to go ahead and give some love to Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcast as well, because I told Marcus it's cool if he can go hang out with some buffaloes out in the Midwest and all that. So he's going to go ahead and check some things out for a little while, so I wish him safe travels, but he's going to be coming back in a couple weeks. But... Who better to bring in for our spooky Halloween episode? You got to go ahead and follow him each and every time out on Facebook at Hunnicween, and also as well the Hunnic Outcasts. It is my good friend indeed. It is Mr. Noe and Fine and Noah. First of all, I want to wish you and your family a safe and happy Halloween.
3: Well, I thank you as always, sir. Is this month over yet? Yeah, we have a lot to talk about for this month. I don't know where to begin because I feel like some sort of kid in a store that has sugar and trans fat. (laughs) And yellow 50 and green 95.6 and brown sugar and all that other wonderful stuff.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, we will go ahead and spread out the pop culture candy for trick or treat for everyone out there coming up here in a bit because we've got a great show lined up. In fact, you're coming back on later on in the show after we talk about everything that's going on here currently you're coming back on later in the show to talk about some of your biggest jump scares that are out there in horror movies that you've seen over the course of your time being our horror movie expert and all plus also as well josh peterson the guy the man behind the pop culture cosmos along with myself he's going to be stopping by to talk about the Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. Now, he had some great things to say about it a couple of weeks ago. Did it turn out that way throughout the series in the end? We'll find out if it scared him or if it bored him to tears coming up later in the episode as well. Plus, a couple of video games that were delayed, shock upon all shockers there, The Mandalorian Season 2 is here! Yes! So we're going to preview our excitement for it as of right now. We have not seen it because it's being aired just before it comes out. So we're going to go ahead and talk about our enthusiasm for the series and what our hopes for from Disney Plus marquee television series coming up here in a bit. Plus, we're also going to be talking about not one, but two streaming services on the back end of the show, and that is Netflix with unfortunately another price hike in the offering, and also Peacock. Remember them? We bring them up occasionally, time and time out, every now and then, but we often forget that they are considered, or at least should be considered, one of the major streaming forces that are out there, and we'll tell you why on the back end of the show as well. But my friend, first and foremost, Oscar Isaac everybody knows out there is Poe Dameron who I guess I saw some interviews over the course of the past couple days because they were refreshing it because of what's coming up here I'm going to talk about here in a sec he no longer wants to be associated with Poe Dameron he's had his fill of the Star Wars universe but he certainly hasn't had his fill of Disney because guess what Marvel knocked on his door and said you know what Oscar we think you would be a great pick for Moon Knight. So, Noah, I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight and getting a television show, not right away, but maybe what, 2023, I think, at this point is what they're targeting Moon Knight for Disney Plus. Either late 2022 or 2023, Disney Plus will have the Moon Knight series with Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight.
3: Wow. Well, okay. Moon Knight. And when we get to another video game right now, if you'd ask me, and I try to get the research, I've heard of it. I just haven't had much time to investigate into it. But if I understand Moon Knight, it was kind of Marvel's version of Batman, but it wasn't stealing all of Batman. And the difference is, is this character was schizophrenic, but now he's no longer schizophrenic. And I guess that's because of political correctness. But I will say this much it's intriguing i feel bad for the man oscar isaac for a couple reasons he wasn't the worst thing in star wars episode 789 i don't think anybody knew what to do with any of those actors oscar isaac every time i see him i put him up there with cumberbatch where hollywood loves him but they don't know where to place him or what to do with him Isaac, if he wasn't in Star Wars, they put him in an X-Men Apocalypse, and you couldn't even tell with the makeup. I know he seems to be the hot thing, and at least he has a good rapport with Disney. People were clamoring, I guess, for a Moon Knight movie, which is understandable. It's going to be a regular TV series on Disney+. I don't know what, what the MCU is doing with their phases anymore, if they're going to be doing them at all, or they're just yeah. going to focus on X-Men and, and Fantastic Four and that's gonna be that. I don't know what they're doing with the MCU at this point. But if you make a Moon Knight Disney Plus series is what I understand. You know what, for this type of character, I hope they don't do what they did with Punisher and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. And I'll say for the first few episodes of Daredevil, not not that I have anything against it, but I just felt that if it's going to be an hour series, take care of the origin in the first episode and just move on because I've kind of had it with origin stories and you can just tell it through flashbacks what they kind of did with the Aquaman movie. But past all of it, I don't know what they could do with Moon Knight now is that if he's that relevant because, again... It would be great if they had this character in the 80s but if they're not going to make him the schizophrenic character i don't know how intriguing he's going to be and i don't think he's really a disney plus mcu character because i go back to his mental illness so they're probably just going to water this down and bog it down it'll be great to see him in the costume and i'm sure it'll be great to see another live action superhero movie but I think since I've been through so much superhero fatigue, it's 50-50 on this one, but it's a few years away and it's talks. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, I don't really know who his Royal Gallery is. And I guess it's better when you have the Avengers because you have them all together. So I don't really know past the schizophrenia, his personality, his catchphrases, his, his, like I said a few minutes ago, his Royal Gallery, It'll be interesting, I suppose, but I hope it's not just to say, okay, well, we have the rights as character and we have Disney Plus. That's it. So I hope it's a little more because I do feel bad for Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is going to be very successful
0: in this because first off, he's the character himself is very snarky, very funny. Uh, not to the level of Deadpool, but almost there. So we should see that type of Oscar Isaac Slash Poe Dameron type of feel for that character because basically he was a, a commando, uh, I guess a special forces individual. They got stuck out in the middle of the desert for some reason. And as a result,
3: yeah,
0: so he basically he he prays to, to one of the Egyptian gods in order to go ahead and save his life, and in doing so, it gives him this power. And in order of doing so, depending on the time of the lunar calendar, the more power or the less power he may have. Plus, also, like you said, there was of schizophrenia that his character has, which people are drawn in more by his schizophrenia and how that leads to the amount of power that he has at any given point in time. But also, I do want to mention that, again, he is going to be a very snarky character, a character with a lot of sharp wit. And that's something that Oscar Isaac has already proven on screen. So I'm hoping that this will go ahead and be another big win for Marvel. They've done a lot of right things so far. I know they're going to try and stick to some type of phase plan going forward, whether it's phase four, phase five, phase six, and continue going on with that. And yes, the X-Men and Fantastic Four are going to become a major part of it, and they're going to be incorporated into it. But I want to go ahead and say this: they have planned these out originally when they dropped the future. Or the Marvel Cinematic Universe during Comic-Con, which would include incorporating all these television shows. So, WandaVision, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, She-Hulk, all these television shows that you're going to see on Disney+, those characters are going to be intertwined with what you see in the film, which means we will eventually see them incorporated maybe in a Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe in an Avengers, something like that, but you will see Oscar Isaac, on the big screen and not just on Disney+. Plus.
3: I know that Falcon and the Winter Soldier got delayed because of COVID. And I know that they're working on She-Hulk. I know we can't talk too much about whatever phases, four, five, six. I don't know how many more phases they're going with the, with the MCU. But I guess we'll get there when we get there. I'm stoked. I'm curious. I just hope it's not just, as I said before, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping it's not just because we have rights to these characters and where we're putting them and what we're going to, I'd love to see them in guardians. I got Disney plus for a lot of reasons. I'm really glad that they put the guardians cartoon on Disney plus. I would have loved to see if they do, you know, a guardians live action series, which I know the actors won't do, unfortunately, but it would be great if they would do a spinoff. I mean, if they, if they did do a Groot and rocket spinoff with Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper, yeah, Bradley Cooper and Groot, and they did like a, you know, a spinoff because I know they did it in the comics for a while. I, you know, that's worth having Disney Plus right then and there. But I'm also curious if they can bring in Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones because I think the rights are finally going back to oh yeah, Disney.
0: They're they're with Disney yeah. now. It's it's all under Marvel's roof. For the question, like you said, is will we see Charlie Cox? Will we see these other? individuals from netflix's universe as far as the way they interpret it through marvel will those yeah. characters be brought over with the same actors and actresses or will other individuals take that place if they're incorporated in the mcu and that's something we're going to be talking about down the road i'm sure but yeah i yeah. mean all yeah. this has to catch up because of what's going yeah. on in 2020 and coronavirus all these projects that marvel is mapping out has to all catch up at some time, and it's going to start in December with WandaVision coming to Disney+. Plus. So I'm excited to see where it goes from there, but I am actually very intrigued with Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, and I hope everyone out there is as well. I think it was a good move by Marvel in order to do so, in order to get his agreement to go ahead and become Moon Knight. I think his addition will be a sound one. And I'm looking forward to seeing his character progress through the Marvel Cinematic universe. What are your thoughts out there on Oscar Isaac becoming Moon Knight? We want to hear your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos Cosmos at Yahoo.com.
1: Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. Please join us for the very first Andy. Pods United Convention. This online event is for both new and veteran podcasters, where we will listen and learn from each other. The online Indie Pods United Convention begins on the 29th November through until the 3rd of December, 2020, featuring amazing shows and information to learn more about the great world of podcasting. For more information and to register for this unmissable event, please visit the website now. IndiePodsUnited.com.
0: Indie Pods United Convention.
1: Together we listen.
2: Sponsored by Pinecast, Reset Business Consulting, The SJ Network, Rocabella, Kami, and Kelly.
0: Well, there's much more to talk about on today's show, including some spooky stuff that I know you've dropped on to us. We're going to play that coming up later in the program. But my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's show, including Cyberpunk 2077 and Far Cry 6. You guessed it, got delayed again. Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed three weeks. That is, according to all the rumors that you're seeing from the websites, not because of the next-gen versions, but the fact that they're trying to put it on six different formats, and the current-gen formats are the ones that are giving them trouble as far as scaling the graphics down and things of that nature. So they had to go ahead and bump it back three weeks for that one. And Far Cry 6 was also announced as a March or later delay as well. So that's something I want to talk to you about as far as Cyberpunk 2077 and Far Cry 6, my friend. Your thoughts on the delay of both these games and how it's going to impact their sales, at least initially.
3: Okay, my hands are up for one reason. I've been doing my best to figure out, other than the fact that Keanu Reeves is in this game, where he'll play a character that's part of this game. I have been trying to search and search and search to figure out what the expletive deleted this game is about now the only thing i was able to get at first i thought it was a first person shooter now it seems to be a role-playing game but it's an action role-playing game it may be something out of Mad max it seems to be an americanized version of mad Max because mad max is australia this seems to be american i don't know it's got some party graphics i can tell you that I know that it was coming out for PlayStation 4 and eventually 5, and I knew this was going to collision. I guess my idiotic question also is, this seems to be affecting the digital download as well. Is that the problem? Is that even if you've got a pre-order digital download, you're not guaranteed that the digital download is being delayed as well?
0: Yes, everything is being delayed. The game itself is being delayed. Now it's been bumped back three weeks later. In order to go ahead and accommodate, and again, one of the reasons why that is being heavily bandied about and rumored, although nothing's been confirmed because the studio is being tight-lipped about it, is the older generations, i.e. the PS4 and the Xbox One. So maybe scaling it down as far as the grand scope of it, because it is a first-person shooter. It is an open-world game. It is something that's going to be futuristic, and creating all those elements is going to suck up a lot of power for whatever console or PC you're putting it on. So that being the case, I mean, it's just going to be something that it's going to take up a lot of power. But again, I have full faith in the folks that are doing it because they created a game in The Witcher 3 that exceeded everyone's expectations, was the game of the year, and a true open world classic for the last decade. It's one of the best games of the last decade. And this is the follow-up to that. And I'm looking forward to it specifically because this could really hit a number with audiences. I am saddened to see that it won't be out before Black Friday. But do I think long-term it's going to affect? I don't think so. I think if you're really looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077, you're going to wait for it. Plus, there's going to be a massive push by the developer and the publisher and everyone involved to go ahead and put Keanu Reeves as much as you can as far as a holiday gift right there on the commercials leading up to the game's release. So I'm I'm thinking if this is the last of the four delays that they've already had on this game, I think it will still work out well for Cyberpunk 2077.
3: I have heard a lot of good things. I'm glad that Keanu Reeves is back. It's been a great year for him with Bill and Tennessee Music. I think you reviewed it. So yes. I'm sure you had some interesting thoughts. And I know that he was also back with John Wick and his cameo in Toy Story 4. I've heard rumors that they were going to work on something more of Duke Boom, either on the big screen or on Disney Plus. So I'm really glad that the man is back. And I know Matrix 4, I'm sure we've talked about that. So I'm kind of curious where he's gonna go and what he's going to do. He deserves it. My friend, hold on, I'll say this. We're in the middle. (sighs) Of a Keanu Sant. I'm I'm happy. You know, listen, but the problem is, I've I've heard this game has been delayed a few times. It's supposed to come out four times now. Four times, yeah. I'm probably going to have to sell some plasma to get it because, again, I've already talked about Yakuza like a dragon to death, but I'm sure that that will be on my list once I get it, or I'm sure when there's some sort of digital sale on PlayStation. But and I'm sure with The Witcher as well, but will this game be worth it? Listen, there are a couple of games like it from what I understand besides the Accusa series. There is Mad Max that's on sale on the PlayStation 4 digitally that's 20 bucks as well as Fist of the North Star Paradise Lost. But the more I look at Cyberpunk, I said it five minutes ago and I'll say it now, the pros will be for this game are not just a fresh coat of paint of pretty graphics for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, or Xbox. It's nothing to do with the graphics. I'm about gameplay and about controls. You could have lime green, sea foam, apricot, pineapple in the background, but as long as the gameplay and the controls are worth it, you have my interest. That's why I still have a lot of Atari 5200 games and 2600 games. So, but if this is from the people that have given us Witcher and they've raved about it, I feel that it's in good hands. I'm sure the excuses are justified. I think, though, it seems to also be some sort of strategy because they want to make sure for the holiday season it's not been a great year for anything. I think they're trying, no matter what, to push us more for that late November, early December for a holiday release. Like They really need something because we're getting new consoles. I'm waiting about a year or two. To get PlayStation 5 for reasons. Because I still have a bunch of PlayStation 4 games. So I'm going to keep this on my PlayStation 4. But I feel that anybody who got 5 or Series X. They're the ones that want something to say. Well I got the system. What do you got? But I have a feeling that this is going to be one of the top games of 2020. I agree with you,
0: my friend. They have that pedigree. They deserve that honor to go ahead and do so. And if they want to get it right and take that time, and if three weeks is just three weeks, so by December 10th, you're still gonna be playing a lot of stuff, even if you got a new console, it's still gonna be playing a lot of stuff by that time it comes out. You know, you're gonna clear all the space aside to go ahead and play Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven when it comes out December 10th. And it's still, even though it won't be there for the Black Friday shopping. It will still be there for the holiday season. So people will hopefully have money back in their pockets after all the money that they spent on Black Friday. And in November, hopefully they'll have some money left over to buy their son, daughter, husband, wife, whoever in their life really wants to go ahead and have this game. And I think having it on the tent still means that they're going to have a big holiday push. So you will be seeing right around early December a lot of Keanu Reeves coming up right at you. But before we go on to our next subject and before we hit the half hour break, I want to go ahead and let you know, my friend, real quick, Giancarlo Esposito, the world's hottest actor right now, seemingly, is actually in Far Cry 6. But it is being delayed. It's being pushed back no earlier than March, which is going to be something that's very disappointing to a lot of Far Cry fans out there. But I want to hear your thoughts real quickly, and then we'll transition to Giancarlo Esposito's one of his other projects that's even getting more hype. But we'll go ahead and touch on that in a sec. But I want to hear your thoughts on Far Cry 6. I see possibly a delay
3: even into the summer. If this game is what I think that it is, it will be on my bucket list down the road. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to have to get like six more external drives or thanks to the cloud, and that's why I'm doing all the digital downloads if I can. What does this one take place in exactly? What's the theme for um, several?
0: I think this one is more of like in a land that's run by a dictator, which coincidentally left is Giancarlo Esposito. You know what? That's the days right now for video game makers where there's constant delay after delay after delay, which is a shame to see continuing going forward into a new generation of consoles, but... Again, with the type of money and development involved, I'd rather you get it right than just on time. We'll keep an eye out for Cyberpunk 2077 and Far Cry 6 and keep you updated on them. They are two of the marquee games coming, hopefully within the next 12-month time span, but they both got delays. What are your thoughts on Cyberpunk 2077 and also as well, Far Cry 6 getting delayed? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we hit the halfway mark, my friend, Giancarlo Esposito's one of his other projects that he has debuts. Actually, you've probably already even seen the first episode as you're hearing this on radio outlets everywhere all over the world and also on podcast outlets everywhere. I am so excited, absolutely excited for The Mandalorian Season 2. Obviously got a lot of praise as far as Emmy nomination consideration, even took home some Emmys. Everybody loves Baby Yoda. He's the hottest ticket in the town. My One of my daughters absolutely loves him. I'm so excited to see where the story continues for The Mandalorian. And I think you are
3: as well. I grew up literally with Star Wars. And then the prequels and these requels. And I kind of just said I had enough. And then... Before the world fell apart, I went to Disney World and I got to go on Rise of the Resistance and ride the Millennium Falcon. That's what I'm wearing now. Rise of the Resistance, baby. And I'll tell you, I got to go on it twice because I went on Christmas Eve Eve and the day after episode nine. And yet somehow, somewhere, we still got Mandalorian and we got Fallen Order on PlayStation 4 and Xbox. So two and three ain't bad. Mandalorian, I know people started to complain about Episodes 5 and 6, which, you know, ironic. People love 5 and 6, if you know what I'm going with with that. The bottom line is this. It's a great show. Well, we've already seen Season 1, so I was kind of disappointed, you know, what happened with Nick Nolte's character. But I will say this much. With Baby Yoda, even though we don't still know what species he's from or what he's capable of, but we have Apollo Creed. You know, Carl Weathers. We have Gina Carano. We have a great cast. And you know what? For a character that I wasn't too much of a fan of and got a lot of hype after the release in 97, and he was supposed to get a movie and didn't happen, and, and what happened with him in the prequel, people had a love hate relationship with. This is not Boba, but it's another Mandalorian. And you know what? The series works. I. I'm glad this got Emmys. I'm glad this got the respect it deserved. Well, The Mandalorian
0: is by far and away the most popular thing on Disney and, and you
3: Plus. Know There's
0: also that. a possibility when the feature film business gets back up and running someday, <laughs> it could go to a feature film. It's that popular right now. It is that.
3: Yeah, you know popular. I, I'd love to see a ride at Galaxy's Edge. I would mm-hmm. love to see more of what they can do with this universe. So. I would give this at least five or six more seasons and then work on maybe a trilogy if you can keep this cast but I would love to see a video game version of these characters whether it's it's action RPG or you know and I said a few minutes ago put this in Galaxy's Edge do it while the iron is hot again I understand you keep making the virus as an excuse and it's understandable but you know what it's not going away anytime soon. You have the technology. You have the fan support. Instead of worrying about what you could have done with Star Wars with episodes 7, 8, and 9, work on what's really making the fans happy and what's working is The Mandalorian.
0: Well, like I said, my friend, The Mandalorian is by far and away the most popular Star Wars IP that they have currently right now. And it has garnered such acclaim, such praise, and such fan love out there. I expect right now people to have a hard time trying to get it because the mass of trying to go ahead and just flood Disney Plus all at one time with people trying to go ahead and download the first episode of The Mandalorian is going to be something to see to be believed. But it is something right now that's going to be considered close to a phenomenon as we can under the circumstances because it is The Mandalorian Season 2. It is something that a lot of people like myself and like Noah are very excited for. We want to hear your thoughts. I know out there you've already caught the first episode, many of you. And even if you haven't, you're probably going to do so this weekend. I want to hear your thoughts. How good is season two starting for you? PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. We're excited for The Mandalorian. And you know what? I know a lot of other people out there are as well. Well, coming up on the back half of the show, it is No Ian Fine talking about the biggest jump scares in horror movies. Plus, also, Josh Peterson is also going to be talking about Netflix's The Haunting of Bly Manor. He's going to be letting us know if he was spooked out or if he was just spooked by that show. Plus, also, Noe Ian Fine on the back end of the show, along with myself, are going to talk about Netflix and Peacock. That's coming up on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse.
1: Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out in 2020.
0: We're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's that spooky time of the year once again. It's Halloween, and he's here every year with his thoughts on the Halloween spectrum. You gotta go ahead and catch what he's doing today at Hunnicween on Facebook. He's gonna be talking about jump scares. It is my good friend indeed. It is no Ian Fine and Noah. Great to have you back on once again. I wanted you to come up with five of your most jumpiest jump scares in all of horror movies.
3: Well, thank you, but we're going to have to use the Wayback Machine back in a time known as the 80s when horror films were pretty much taking over everything. And it wasn't just in Halloween, mind you. I mean, they popped up anywhere and everywhere, especially at the video store and cable TV. But this is when you didn't have the... Orchestra of going Do, da, da, done and having you psychologically just jump and scream in the theater. So, first things first, I'm gonna for number five. I'm gonna go with Poltergeist two for a reason. This is a bizarre jump scare, but this is with the actor who played Reverend Kane in Poltergeist. If we had more time, I would talk about the sequel and my love hate relationship towards it. But the one jump scare, surprisingly, was not just jumping out and spooking you. It's a moment where Carol Ann meets Reverend Kane for the first time on Poltergeist 2. And you just see, because the act in real life, sadly, was suffering from stomach cancer, so he looked gaunt and he was dying anyway. So they didn't have to do too much appliances and prosthetics and makeup on him. And he just shows up and he starts singing this really creepy song to her. But then when she turns around, nobody else can see this man and walks right through him. And that just, for some reason, that sound effect, when somebody was walking right through him, that definitely made me jump. For number four, this was a very underrated horror film. Nobody really talks about it anymore or any less. If it is a at all, which is a shame. But it was a movie that I saw in the 90s that made me tremble. And when the lights came on, it just was like shaking. I was in my 20s though, but I wanted it. But I turned to the person and I went like a thumbs up. like. And thankfully, this movie did get two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert. Very underrated film. It's called The Relic, and I don't know if anybody remembers this. This is when legendary special effects makeup guy, Sam Winston, before he passed away. He worked, of course, on Jurassic Park, a lot of Spielberg films. He directed the first Pumpkinhead movie, which is not one of the better ones, but he helped create this thing called The Gathoga, a very bizarre film about having is DNA mixed with that of a monster and it comes back and this thing keeps changing because it's DNA run amok. And what was great about this is because it's also still in, in a time when CGI was starting to be used more. I mean, it was kind of used as an experiment in the 80s with something like Young Sherlock Holmes. And they tried it a little bit with Roger Rabbit, but 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 mainly in the 90s, Hollywood was still experimenting and it was like a hit and miss. The, the whole idea is that this thing spends most of its time in the shadows and when it pops up and scares you, you never know where it's going to come from. It, it's almost like Alien. But the difference between this and Alien, this thing is a little bit more creative because it's also, the haunted house is the feels when you see them in Chicago. This thing kind of like brought back, you know, jump scare that I've been wanting. For number three, I'm actually going to go with 28 Days Later. And the reason for that, it wasn't just another zombie movie because these were fast charged people with uncontrollable rage. So it wasn't so much zombification. And what made me basically do the jump scare, there is a moment where we have. Cillian Murphy. Yeah, Samuel Murphy, that's who it is, yeah. In the beginning of the film, he's... He woke up from a coma, and he goes to a church, and he just looks at all these dead bodies, and one of them just, like... I've seen this before a million times, and a body just picks itself up. But this is... It's a body of these other bodies, and it's just, like, a little bit spookier. Like, you don't know if it's going to move or not. And also, there was a lot of banging from the zombies when they're hiding in corridors. So that was a nice little homage. For number two, I'm actually going to go with Ghostbusters because, as we all know, the gray lady scene. Again, I was about six at the time when Ghostbusters came out, so nobody really knew too much about that librarian scene. You still live in New York. A friend of mine was also a huge fan of Ghostbusters, and when we got older, we would go to that New York public library a lot. We'd run down the stairs. I would be Ray. He would be Peter, we do the, when you see it, we'll get back to you. We did all of that. We did get to go through the library. It's a little bit different than what it is in the movie, of course. They do go back to that library and both have a jump scare because as they now have their proton packs to fight the gray lady, they go deeper into the basement of the library, even deeper, and you hear ghost children. And because they go past like this run-down children's section of the library. So that that was also kind of creepy. It had nothing to do with the movie, but I kind of like what it did. But number one for jump scares, I actually have to go with George Romero's Creepshow. I'd like to say it would be one of the zombie movies that he directed or even Monkey Shines. But Creepshow, well, it didn't have a zombie in it, and there were several jump scares in that film. One of them... The Father's Day segment when the ghoul came out of the grave for the first time. And not to mention the fact Fluffy from the crate, which was the only good thing about that segment. But that thing jumped out. So that's probably my five jump scare moments, but memorable nonetheless. And
0: So I know you said you, you don't have a, an affinity for today's movies because of its reliance on CGI. And- I get that. I mean, a lot of people have, obviously, their concerns in regards to pretty much the horror genre and also sci-fi genre about going away from practical effects. I know a lot of people have talked about The Mandalorian they love so much because it incorporates a lot of practical effects. But I wanted to ask you this. Is there anything in recent times that might get people that might people want to check out if they really want to jump scare? Or has it just become too CGI for you? You know,
3: we reviewed Krampus a few years ago. And I think what I loved about Krampus, and you agreed with me on this as well, is that when I watched the -the behind-the-scenes documentary on it, they went back to the well with animatronics, practical effects. It felt like a 1980s film in the 21st century. And that came out in 2015, and we reviewed it a few years ago. And that actually, you know, now that I think about it, that had a jump scare, too. Because with the sister trying to get to the boyfriend's house and running from Krampus, and you didn't know where Krampus was, you just hear the howling, and then him just jumping down and walking through the snow. That's why it worked. My biggest problem with having the CGI effect I mean, even when I saw scary stories to tell in the dark, I kind of knew when the jump scare was going to happen because they didn't build up to it. You just knew. There were moments that were scary and the moments that kind of worked, but the problem is, since Hollywood has become so dependent with the orchestra building up the tension and then going, bam, or just having something jump up and then go, boo. There's no real suspense anymore because you're so dependent on the scare than you are of how to build up the scare. And those 80 movies, they worked on things on how you can build up the scare because you never knew where it was going to come. Everything now, I feel, is that you just press a button and the thing will go, boo, and that'll be it. I tried even to defend Stephen King's It, 2017 2019 version, but when Pennywise in, in 2019 came out of that darkened kitchen, because I know it's like it's a small kitchen, but it sounded like he was running for miles because he's Pennywise, and you know the kitchen is dark and he can't see, it. and he could be running for like you know five ten miles away, and he comes out in that Roger Rabbit Bugs Bunny thing. People were laughing. They weren't scared or screaming. And that's a problem. So I feel that there were ways to do it. I don't think
0: they're being done well anymore. Well, my friend, you do always have a great heartbeat as one gives out when somebody has a jump scare when it comes to Halloween and horror movies. And it's always great talking to you on the horror movie genre. Once again, it is Noah Ian Fine from the Hunnic Outcasts and also Hunnic Queen on Facebook. You got to go ahead and check out the Hunnic Outcasts and Hunnic Queen on Facebook
1: today. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials?
0: Josh Peterson, go ahead, my friend. You wanted to talk a little bit more about haunting of Ply matter, which unfortunately has now haunted you in not a good way.
2: Well, okay, so last time I talked about it, right, I had just watched the first episode, and I I enjoyed it, you know, it seemed like it was, you know, working towards something cool, kind of like Haunting of Hill House did, right, like, I loved Haunting of Hill House, like, I loved the story, I loved the characters, I loved the development, I loved how, like, layered the story was, and then I really enjoyed how... You know they did all these things to scare you right every time they they showed something you'd have to really like stare at the screen to find like a face moving or like an arm or a leg moving in the background like it was really really well done so haunting a blind manor obviously like the bar was set high for this one we got to the end of it and i, I don't know man like I, let me ask you a question real quick though okay. how do you feel about shows that are just like covered in flashbacks like every episode has a flashback and it's not just like a five to ten minute flashback like it is a majority of the episode how do you feel about things like that
0: well then they should just call it flashback because you become reliant on it you become dependent on it to go ahead and tell your narrative if that's the case you stop telling an original narrative you're just worried about what happened back then in order to go ahead and dictate what's going forward and it's great that you can touch on it but if you let it define what your show is, then unfortunately, it's going to end up costing your show success for it because people are just going to expect, okay, here's the flashback. Okay, here's the flashback. It's nice to have it sometimes, but unfortunately, yeah. you shouldn't be relying on it.
2: Well, I think it's nice if it, like, pushes the narrative forward, but this wasn't just one long flashback connected across multiple episodes. These were different flashbacks. I think they started around episode three, and they just were consistent all the way to episode eight. I think it's nine episodes. But anyways... These flashbacks, they're so long and like you had to really pay attention to things that were going on in them. And it really like pulled you out of the modern narrative. So by the time it took you back to the, the modern story or, you know, it takes place in the 90s, so semi-modern story, I was just sitting there thinking, I don't remember what happened. There's this like angry ghost lady choking somebody. I don't remember how we got here because it feels like it was three episodes ago that this happened. You know, that's one big complaint about it. You know, my next big complaint here is that there's like not enough scares, like at its heart, haunting a blind manor is, it's a love letter to gothicism, right? It's a love letter to like the, the, I guess you could say the writings of Edgar Allan Poe. And maybe there's like a hint of Lovecraft in there, but I don't know, it fails to like hit that mark, you know, like it is littered with romance. It has a lot of romance stories in there and like none of them ever really reach a conclusion you start to get invested in these characters and then they just kind of like leave that book open and don't give you any like closure. So it makes the whole thing feel like a waste of time.
0: That's truly a shame. I know the high hopes you had for plus also the enjoyment that you had for the first season.
2: Yeah. Again, like I love, cause the first season revolved around a family and I loved like all the flashbacks that show like how they became as messed up as they are today. That was interesting. And plus those are only like 20 minute flashbacks. So I was, fine spending even half the episode in that as long as I got to see stuff taking place in the modern world so that was fine and they connected very well it flowed very well but they kept on like trying to shove these details down your throat and by the time it was done you kept forgetting what was happening and then you look at the love stories here and like a lot of this revolves around love stories and it fails constantly to be interesting do you ever watch a horror movie and you you think that like oh that's a dumb reason for that to be the way it is have you ever experienced that before
0: gee a horror movie that might have a dumb movie trope put into it just before the whatever killing is is going to take place that's a stretch my friend i've never seen that before
2: okay can i spoil things is that okay
0: just a little bit just a little bit
2: okay so the reason the house is haunted is because like it goes back to the beginning of Blind Manor and these two sisters like own the, the thing and their dad died so they had to like get married and there's all these plots ensuing. One of the ladies ends up getting remember um what was in Penny Dreadful how they have like the it's called consumption right where like you start to cough up blood I, it's not plague I forget exactly what's called but one of the sisters got sick and she has a daughter and she got married. And she's, like, really mean to her sister. And finally her sister, like, after years of abuse, had enough and, like, did what any sister, I guess, would do and smothered her sick sister. But anyways, like, the, the house is haunted because the sister was mean. Like, that is the only reason. There's, like, no tragedy there. Nothing happened. There's no, like, really bigger supernatural picture. The house is haunted by the sister because she was just mean. And now she just goes around the house, like, choking people. And if you get choked by her, you get turned into a ghost too, and you're stuck in the house. So like Haunting of Hill House was like this great show on this grand scale. This one felt very small and very nonsensical, if that makes sense. So my final point here, sorry, I've been like dragging on. I have a lot to say about this. It has a decent ending, but it wasn't worth the wait. Like if you go back through all the complaints I made, it wasn't worth enduring all of that for the ending you know because once you figure the ending out you're like oh yeah it makes you feel smart but it just it wasn't worth the journey it took to get there
0: well that's a shame that haunting a blind manor did not live up to the expectations of haunting a hill house last season so i'm i'm hoping that if it does get renewed although you're not the only one that's saying a lot of bad things about haunting a blind manor so it's wait and see on that but We'll see if it does get renewed for season three. Although Netflix has been very quick to go ahead and hit the trigger button as far as canceling shows, we'll wait and see. Yeah. But would um, you go back to a season three if it was haunting at I don't know what whatever house? You know, would would you go back to it?
2: I would, but I'd be less likely to like sit through an entire season if I don't like the first few episodes. You know, I know the writer of this season has another show called like Midnight run or something coming out on netflix i forget exactly what it's called but i know a lot of the haunting of Bly manor and hill house casts are set to return in this like seven episode horror series so i don't know man i mean i guess it depends on if this next project fails whether we'll kind of decide whether or not we see another season but yeah i would watch another season but i wouldn't watch the whole thing if i didn't like it out the gate
0: what are your thoughts out there on the haunting of blind manor do you feel the same way But let us know your thoughts on The Haunting of Bly Manor, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. It's a shame because you had such high hopes going into it, unfortunately. I I did. But unfortunately, a lot is negative now coming out of it.
1: Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment.
0: Want to give a big shout out to our friends at Retro City Games, where it's 10% off store wide throughout the entire month of October, either in Henderson or Las Vegas. They've got two great stores. Please head on down there to support local businesses today, right here at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is PCC Multiverse. Cannot thank enough Josh Peterson, my co host in crime on the Pop Culture Cosmos, for going ahead and sharing his thoughts on Netflix's The Haunting. blind manner i also want to go ahead and give a shout out to everyone involved at indie pods united that's right indie pods united if you're a podcaster interested in podcasts or you want to know more about the podcasting realm coming up in late november there's the indie pods united convention five days a very low price for tickets right now i believe it's as low as ten dollars so if you want to find out more Just go and check out IndiePodsUnited.com. That's IndiePodsUnited.com. And you'll find all the information you can on this upcoming awesome event that we may here at the Pop Culture Cosmos be a part of, but I'll divulge those entire news on the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. Well, my friend, before we head on out, I want to go ahead and hit you up on two things. One of them, not so good. One of them is so good when it concerns the streaming outlets are concerned and you know now these days with the way coronavirus is and 2020 is unfortunately for those that loved going to the movies, those days right now have been put on hold and everybody now focuses on what's coming out to streaming. Netflix just announced a price hike here in the states from I think it's the general platform, if I'm not mistaken from 1299 to 1399 that's it netflix's price hikes they really don't go over well so going from 12.99 a month to 13.99 a month even though that's only 12 dollars extra a year anytime they do a price hike it just never goes well for netflix
3: okay strike one you got rid of the dark crystal age resistance strike two you're not taking cuties off of netflix Strike 3 seems to be that price hike. I'm really debating of whether or not I want to keep Netflix at this point. I mean, I could go on a soapbox and say that everybody's investing in streaming services at this point and because of contracts and whatnot and who has what for the reruns. But I always had this love-hate relationship towards Netflix.
0: Obviously, there's a lot of things that people like about Netflix. And you talked about one of the shows, The Dark Crystal, that they cut and Cuties that they've left in. With them, you know it's all about ratings, whether it's ratings in this country or in others, because Netflix has now branched itself out for to all around the world. And I'm not trying to defend anything when I say that statement. I'm just telling you, when you have over almost, I think going on 200 million subscribers in that range, in that ballpark, we're talking some serious stuff here. And I understand with them running a business and all that and spending huge amounts of cash even to this day on projects, if it has the right stars and the right type of movie or director or anything like that. But you're talking, my friend, about something that is the preeminent streaming service. And I understand and I get nobody likes the fact that they're price hiking. I don't like the fact that they're hiking my price. But I want to just tell you this, my friend, that it, it's still it's a good value for all the content you're getting on Netflix. Even though we are paying a little bit more because of it.
3: But what are we paying for? I mean, we're paying for reruns of TV shows, I'm only getting a few episodes, not the complete series. We're getting maybe a good series here or there that's being canceled. You're getting a lot of action straight to that would have been normally straight
0: to DVD movies, and I get that. And they're popularizing them, like Chris Hemsworth and also Charlize Theron. She made her movie, got 78 million people to
3: watch it. I, I think YouTube was the first time that they were starting to put you know, live action movies on YouTube before they were gonna to start to put them on Netflix. I mean, this became a trend. I mean, I always said the internet became the internet in 2010 where everything was starting to become streaming. That's great. I understand it's very cost effective, but I don't really know how the rating system works. I don't want, I still don't know why you're getting rid of a lot of good shows that people are complaining and saying, why? Look. uh, I'm just telling you, man, the
0: numbers are right there. I mean, Chris Hemsworth's one, Ryan Reynolds, Charlize Theron. I mean. Santa Colleen Diet, Dead to Me. Adam Sandler, he's got a bunch of junk that he throws up there. And, And you know what? People watch it. A lot of people watch it it doesn't have to be always quality. That's going to Netflix. Let's just throw stuff out there and see well, what that it. would
3: explain. Gwyneth Paltrow's goop. And that would also explain the South park gag where they call up Netflix saying you've been green. What I get that. I just can't support it. But then again, Amazon has done this too. And so is Hulu. So it, it, it's not like Netflix is the only one. I just wish I could see how to become a Nielsen family for a streaming show because there seems to be a lot of shows that are getting canceled that i'm getting invested in per usual i mean you're right i shouldn't just say this because of one of my favorite shows getting canceled dark crystal but there are several that i enjoyed but but that's you know what i can do this all day and i think that the ones who lose out are the fans but that's just my opinion on that
0: well we want to hear your thoughts on there how upset are you with the latest rate hike for netflix we want to hear your thoughts Pop cosmos at yahoo.com well my friend it's been a great episode and I cannot thank you enough for joining me on this spooky episode of the PCC Multiverse I just want to go ahead and ask you one last thing Peacock and NBC Universal gave a lot of information to their shareholders you know the usual blah 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 but one of the things that stuck out to me as far as the whole numbers that they were throwing out there is that Peacock now has around 22 million subscribers in its infancy within its first year. I love the shot that the CEO made in regards to this. In fact, as he was reporting the numbers, he said, we're the opposite of Quibi, because, you know, that service just hit the dust. But 22 million subscribers and people weren't sure whether or not Peacock, with its tiered programming of free and not free paid content, was going to be able to work out. So I want to hear your thoughts on Peacock. As a Peacock subscriber, has it been something that you really, truly relish enjoying watching? Is it something that you want to continue going ahead and subscribing to? I know that Brave New World was just canceled after season one because I know that was critically ravaged and also as well just I think wasn't very popular. But I know they've got more things up their sleeve at Peacock. And I just want to hear from you as a Peacock subscriber if it's for the best long term.
3: Again, I still don't understand Hollywood law because Harry Potter, as far as I know, was Warner Brothers and it should have been on HBO Max and now it's on Peacock because NBC got the rights somehow. They also got the rights for Two and a Half Men, which is also weird because that's a Warner Brothers show that should be on HBO Max and yet somehow it's on Peacock. It's weird because it it, it goes back to who owns or bought the rights for movies and syndicated shows and it's just so headachey. but i know there's the free service i think when you pay for it you don't get the ads or you get more shows or or they've got free
0: ad supported they've got i think they've got three tiers in all if i'm not mistaken
3: yeah there's just so many there God, man, there just As so a many service, people. I know there's a lot out there, but is Peacock worth it for is, you? Is, is Peacock worth it? No, it's not worth it because I don't like the fact that I had to get an additional subscription service to watch Warner Brothers properties that should be on HBO Max. That's what I thought. No, it's not worth it for that alone. And it's only free for certain things, but if you want more things like what I just said, you have to pay for it. So to answer your question, no, I think it's wrong, because if something is under Warner Brothers, it should be under the Warner Brothers property. It should be on HBO Max. It should not be on NBC Universal, because that's universal. Harry Potter and Two and a Half Men are not. So that kind of cheeses me off, and that's all I'm going to say. I'll tell you what, my friend, 22
0: million subscribers, not all of them must be unhappy. I mean, most of them are trying out the service in some form or fashion as far as whether or not you have the one tier, the other tier, or the other tier as far as free ad supported and totally ad free. So it's going to be interesting to see how their tiered system works out, whether they stick with it or they ditch it long term. We're going to find out. I'm still going to be getting some more Jurassic World's obviously Fast and Furious. That's going to be something that they're going to delve into. And I think going forward, they're going to have even more to talk about as far as possibly even a show. That's just a thought I'm having. I'm thinking that they're going to go ahead and not let it die at 11. I think they're just going to go ahead and extend it even more. And Peacock is one of the ways that they're going to do it. But you know what? For those who like Peacock and NBC Universal and all the stuff that they bring, more power to you with the Amazon Primes, the Apple Pluses, all the other streaming services that are out there, Netflixes and things of that nature. We had put Peacock as an afterthought, but 22 million subscribers as of now really screams out that, you know what? They might just become a big player
3: in the streaming game. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see on this because it's just becoming so much of a headache.
0: What are your thoughts out there on Peacock Getting 22 million subscribers and now firmly entrenching itself as a player? in the streaming game. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for joining up with me on today's spooky episode of the PCC Multiverse. Any last thoughts on the
3: way out? Yes. 2020 cannot end fast enough. That's all I'm going to say. And... It's going to be a very interesting couple months though for video games and The Mandalorian. So we got a few more months left. You know what, everybody, we're going to get through this. And hopefully in another few months, things will slowly and surely get back to, dare I say, normal. So please hang in there and we'll get through this. Absolutely. And for those that
0: are interested, speaking of video games, We've got a game source profile, our latest one that came out on Wednesday of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, so check that out. Plus, Chris Lardieri, Dominic Lardieri, and I went on our latest episode of the Inside Sports Fantasy Football. I had Stone Hansen from Dratside.com on for the Lakers fast break, and of course, all the stuff we do, check it out, please, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Noe and Fine... This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And have a safe and happy Halloween. And here's hoping you have yourself a great
1: day. ha ha ha. Claire here with a special announcement. Contrary to popular belief, I didn't cancel Dr. Geek's laboratory. It fell into development purgatory thanks to MacGuffinite crystals or some such science from fiction nonsense. I've put an end to that. I locked all the staff inside the laboratory for the duration of the crisis. Now they can create 24-7 without petty distractions like home lives or free will. Look for new Dr. Geek episodes coming soon. The gay dynamics last up against the wall when the robots rise.